Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Good morning. I must confess to you that for a few moments I wasn't exactly sure where I was because there were a few of you sort of nodding your heads and moving to the beat of that beautiful musical piece and that's just not Presbyterian at all. (laughs) But thank you, Susie, for sheep may safely graze. Before we are called to worship, I want to introduce a few friends who are with us in worship today. I want to uh, introduce someone whom you all know, the Reverend Dr. Commander Jason Reagan, United States Navy Chaplain. Jason, it's good to have you back with us for a few days. Also, the Reverend Dr. and the Reverend Dr. Quinn and Nancy Fox, who are sitting right here. Quinn Fox is associate pastor. (laughs) Quinn is associate pastor at the National Presbyterian Church in Washington, D.C. So any problems that are going on in Washington, please refer them to Quinn. Nancy, that's why you're here, right? Yeah. Nancy is a parish associate with that church and also a fellow board member with me uh, on the Outreach Foundation of the Presbyterian Church. So good to see some of my dear buds in church today. Friends, let us be called to worship together as we read responsively from the third psalm. O Lord, how many are my foes. Many are rising against me. Many are saying to me, there is no help for you in God. I cry. I lie down and sleep. I wake again, for the Lord sustains me. I am not afraid of ten thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. Friends, let us worship the living God.
Psalm 39 contains this short phrase, and now, O Lord, what do I wait for? My hope is in you. Let these words of scripture guide us into a time of confession. O God, we thank you that you have not left us alone in our sin. Loving us, you have brought us good news and set before us the way of life. Yet we confess that we have not always seen the way or lived the way. In pride, we have spurned your mercy and your grace. In selfishness, we have turned away from those in need around us. We have allowed ourselves to be crushed by troubles, as though Christ had not been raised. Forgive our faithlessness and renew a right spirit within us in the power and hope of the resurrection. In Christ Jesus, we pray. Amen. Hear us, O God, as we come to you with our personal prayers of confession. Amen. Amen. The psalmist continues, For God alone my soul waits in silence, for my hope is from the Lord. Have hope, friends, because I declare to you in the name of Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Thanks be to God. May the peace of Christ be with you. As we prepare to greet each other, I would remind you that our fifth grade and younger are excused to go to their Sunday school class. Their leader is waiting for them in the back. And now let's turn and greet one another with a good morning and God bless. I think I overheard some conversations out there. Some of you were asking others, what was that stuff that was falling down out of the sky this morning, right? <laughs> 
Friends, let me share with you a bit of news about what's happening in the life of this congregation and in that way invite your participation in all those things that the Lord might lead you to be part of as we all continue to grow in the life of Christ. First of all, I'll remind you that this coming Saturday we will have our branch barbecue. That is an opportunity to go down to Mission Bay to help with serving a meal to folks who could use a meal, also distributing some other items that they might need. There's a lot more information about that particular project that begins at noon every fourth Saturday of the month. And if you'd like to learn more,
Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Good morning. I must confess to you that for a few moments I wasn't exactly sure where I was because there were a few of you sort of nodding your heads and moving to the beat of that beautiful musical piece and that's just not Presbyterian at all. (laughs) But thank you, Susie, for sheep may safely graze. Before we are called to worship, I want to introduce a few friends who are with us in worship today. I want to uh, introduce someone whom you all know, the Reverend Dr. Commander Jason Reagan, United States Navy Chaplain. Jason, it's good to have you back with us for a few days. Also, the Reverend Dr. and the Reverend Dr. Quinn and Nancy Fox, who are sitting right here. Quinn Fox is associate pastor. (laughs) Quinn is associate pastor at the National Presbyterian Church in Washington, D.C. So any problems that are going on in Washington, please refer them to Quinn. Nancy, that's why you're here, right? Yeah. (laughs) Nancy is a parish associate with that church and also a fellow board member with me uh, on the Outreach Foundation of the Presbyterian Church. So good to see some of my dear buds in church today. Friends, let us be called to worship together as we read responsively from the third psalm. O Lord, how many are my foes. Many are rising against me. Many are saying to me, there is no help for you in God. I cry. I lie down and sleep. I wake again, for the Lord sustains me. I am not afraid of ten thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. Friends, let us worship the living God.
Psalm 39 contains this short phrase, and now, O Lord, what do I wait for? My hope is in you. Let these words of scripture guide us into a time of confession. O God, we thank you that you have not left us alone in our sin. Loving us, you have brought us good news and set before us the way of life. Yet we confess that we have not always seen the way or lived the way. In pride, we have spurned your mercy and your grace. In selfishness, we have turned away from those in need around us. We have allowed ourselves to be crushed by troubles, as though Christ had not been raised. Forgive our faithlessness and renew a right spirit within us in the power and hope of the resurrection. In Christ Jesus, we pray. Amen. Hear us, O God, as we come to you with our personal prayers of confession. Amen. Amen. The psalmist continues, For God alone my soul waits in silence, for my hope is from the Lord. Have hope, friends, because I declare to you in the name of Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Thanks be to God. May the peace of Christ be with you. As we prepare to greet each other, I would remind you that our fifth grade and younger are excused to go to their Sunday school class. Their leader is waiting for them in the back. And now let's turn and greet one another with a good morning and God bless. I think I overheard some conversations out there. Some of you were asking others, what was that stuff that was falling down out of the sky this morning, right? (laughs) 
Friends, let me share with you a bit of news about what's happening in the life of this congregation and in that way invite your participation in all those things that the Lord might lead you to be part of as we all continue to grow in the life of Christ. First of all, I'll remind you that this coming Saturday we will have our branch barbecue. That is an opportunity to go down to Mission Bay to help with serving a meal to folks who could use a meal, also distributing some other items that they might need. There's a lot more information about that particular project that begins at noon every fourth Saturday of the month. And if you'd like to learn more, let me invite you to, uh, why don't you ask Jan Cook today, okay? Yeah, okay, that makes sense, that makes sense. Um, Our Kids Village is sponsoring a new communion class for fourth and fifth graders. If uh, you are a fourth or fifth grader, and I don't see too many of them sitting out there right now, but if you have one in your household, this is an opportunity to learn about the sacrament of the Lord's Supper as well as some other things about our faith. That will begin next Sunday, and it will be taught during this 1030 hour. One of our grief support groups is kicking off again this coming Wednesday afternoon. If you are grieving the loss perhaps of someone you have loved and still do, or grieving in any way, shape, or form, this would be a wonderful opportunity for you to gather with others to encourage and strengthen others in your walk at this particular time of life. At 11.45 today, or more or less when this service ends, we will have the first of six seminars called How to Follow Jesus for Life. Many of you, in fact, over a hundred of you have registered for that seminar, and we have lunch prepared for you as well as a very stimulating conversation, what we hope will be. If you are planning to go and have registered, we encourage you to go over immediately following the service, uh, fill out a name tag, find the table where you can uh, Uh, register your presence with us, even though you're registered for the class, we'd like to know if you're here, Um, and then sit down and and start eating. Uh, We believe in the power of retroactive prayer here, and so by the time I make it over, we'll have a prayer and get going. If you have not registered but still feel the Lord calling you to go, I'd encourage you to go over, and if we have an extra seat, we would love to have you. And we do have a few extra seats, I believe, but we'll find out about that. We'll do the loaves and fishes thing if we need to. I want to introduce a dear friend of this congregation, Raul Palomino. Raul, why don't you start coming forward? Raul is the director of our New Day Ministry in downtown San Diego, and he's here to share a little bit with us about what's happening in that ministry in these days. Raul? Good thank to have you. you with us, my friend. Thank you. Well, thank you for being invited. Thank you. Uh, we're the ministry of the San Diego Presbytery. Uh, so, as you guys know, we represent the 31 churches for the Presbytery. This is a ministry that we call it the Legacy Ministry. It's a ministry that has been uh, going on now for 55 years out of the Presbytery of San Diego since 1968. Uh, and last year, I was corrected. Someone told me it's been longer than that. We were the L.A a ministry called uh, the Great Parish Ministry from L.A. Presbytery back in 1940. And uh, just wanted to let you know that we might have changed our name three times. We went from down to, oh, four times now, I think, the prayer, prayer, prayer ministry of the Presbyterian Crisis Center 
Presbyterian Urban Ministries, and now we're our New Day Urban Ministries. Because what we are aiming to do is we're aiming to bring God's love to people and not much of who we are as Christians, as Presbyterians. And I just wanted to let you know that the numbers continue to increase. As it was raining and I was driving from the downtown area to here, uh, my heart was breaking because I know that there's people that are getting everything wet. They will have no clothing, no shoes, no blankets, no uh, resources tomorrow morning. And uh, that's when they come. And I will tell you, we serve about six, this last year, we served 6,400 families, which account for almost 16,000 people. We are the seventh largest population in, in the, as a city, the city of San Diego, with homelessness in the nation. When I started here in 2015, we were number two. Oh, I'm sorry, number three, because LA and New York were number one, number two, and then we were number three back then. So I just wanted to ask you for your prayers, ask you for the things that you might have extra in your closet, maybe the extra set of shoes or pants or jackets, blankets that you don't use anymore, um, sleeping bags, uh, they're all needed. Someone told me is how do we do that? It's like we pray. We ask God that he will provide. He will provide. We ask him for the things that the ministry needs and he provides through all of you guys. So I just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart as this is for me, my ninth year coming every year uh, for a uh, time of missions, and I'm always delighted, and I want to encourage you to continue to support those ministries that are helping our urban poor in the community, and also that beautiful ministry, which I'm a part of too, the branch ministry on the fourth Saturday of every month. We're there when we have uh, jackets and hygiene items and blankets, and if not, we just put our hands busy to help those who are in need in that area. I just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. Blessed be this day as we come and visit. Thank you. Great. Raul, thanks for coming to be with us. As you noticed, we've moved all of the normal displays and tables that are out on the patio. We've moved them inside. So if you'd like to visit some more with Raul following the service and learn more about this ministry, he will be standing over on that side of the narthex. Let's have a quick word of prayer. Lord, we thank you so much for uh, calling people to serve you in all of the different ways that your church and your ministry is served. Especially we thank you for Raul and all the folks who work with him uh, in, in providing for the needs of some of your children and offering them not only uh, physical uh, uh, help and support, but also spiritual help and support. We pray your blessing upon him and pray your blessing upon us that you might uh, reveal to us how we might be uh, a greater part of this ministry. And may it all be for the sake of Jesus Christ in whose name we pray. Amen. Thank Amen. you, brother. Thank, Thank you. In our worship, we always have an opportunity to physically and tangibly display and affirm our participation in the work of the kingdom as we offer ourselves to God. And so now the ushers will come and wait upon us as uh, we present our tithes and offerings to the Lord today.
Please be seated. Friends, as we come to a time of prayer, I would encourage you to let go of all the things that distract you, the things that were on your mind as you made your way here. Let go of all the things that you have to do this afternoon, even tomorrow, and just be present here in the space for just a few moments of our time together. Let's be present to God as we go to God in prayer. God of abundance and extravagant love, you are the source of all things bright and beautiful and the wellspring from which we draw our purpose and center our will. So we come in praise and gratitude that you have called us your beloved, that you love us like a shepherd and that we are the sheep of your green pastures. You, O Lord, have summoned us to bring our weariness and heavy burden and find our rest in you. And in our rest, we will find our strength renewed and your intentions restored. Lord, let our hearts run wild in the golden fields of your grace, for you have willed us to be free and to feel the wind of your mercy ease our struggles, ease and erase our regrets and give us peace in our own skin. But these kindnesses and these gifts and these restorations, they're just too delicious to keep hidden or hoarded. They are meant for the whole world. We see that now, and our hearts burn to spread the news, to shout it from the mountaintops and across the neighbor's fence, to whisper it at the quiet bedside and in the house of the grieving. Loving God, let the wells of our sacred memories be deep and the liquid of our lived days be pure and quenching. Let our faith bubble up and pour out as living water that nourishes hope and gives life to even the most parched souls. Because we would be your messengers, God, your servants, your children, your creation made in your image. Gentle Savior, we would ask that you would ease us to be still when life is moving too fast. Soothe us to be quiet when the noise threatens to drown out your holy voice. Compel us to be peacemakers when we are baited to seek war. And calm us to receive our neighbor with kindness and civility that we might enjoy the exchange without judgment and with an openness to grow together as humans. Infuse us, O oh God, with your compassion, that we will notice and not look away, but joyfully serve those in need. And we humbly ask you, O oh God, that you would shape us and mold us and transform us to be beacons of hope and harbingers of goodwill. How can we ask otherwise? You're here, you're now, you are among us, and we serve you. We serve at your pleasure, O oh God. Hear us, O oh God, as we lift up these prayers and the prayer that we say together that your Son taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, 
and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
Our reading today is the 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in a path in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. For thou art with me, thou rod, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The word of the Lord. Winston Churchill once said that all the great things are simple and many can be expressed in a single word. Freedom, justice, honor, duty, mercy, and hope. We have begun a season here in the church at the beginning of this year of thinking about some of the pillars of life, those foundational beliefs and convictions and truths that serve as the underpinning for everything that we believe, everything whom we hope to be, everything that we celebrate and affirm about God himself. These pillars of life are like those great things of whom Winston spoke that can be summarized with one word. We began the year thinking about love Last week we talked about service. In coming weeks we will speak about humility and truth and faith. Today we will speak about the one thing that was on Winston's list that is also on my list. Hope. Hope. In this series of messages, we are taking a single word, usually a very short word, that says so very, very much. Words, all of which that might be considered as great summaries of the Christian faith. And we are pairing 
those words, those thoughts, those affirmations with some of the scriptures that, according to my authoritative list, (laughs) are the most dearly loved, the most often recited, sometimes even those that are memorized. And so, as we began the year thinking about John 3.16, and we continued the year looking at a passage from Micah 6, today we're going to look at the 23rd Psalm. I want to ask, and just because you don't raise your hand doesn't mean that you haven't, but I would like to ask, how many of you have memorized this passage? That's great. How many of you memorized the passage in the words of the King James English? Yeah. (laughs) How many of you memorized the passage in the words of the Revised Standard Version? That's the version that I asked Suhail to read for us a moment ago because that's the version that I memorized. How many of you were reading along in the new Revised Standard Version, your pew Bibles, and noticed that that Suhail messed up a few words? No, he didn't. He didn't. He was simply reading from the Revised Standard Version. No matter, the 23rd Psalm is one of those passages that, that speaks always that speaks profoundly to something that apparently we need to know, something that we need assurance about so often. I would propose to you that the 23rd Psalm is about hope. But if any of you read through the passage again, I'm sure that you will point out to me that the word hope does not occur in the 23rd Psalm. I'll explain what that's about in a moment. But first, I want us to think about hope itself. Let's think about hope itself. When I use that word, hope, every single one of you in this room has at least one definition for it, and and we all have an understanding of what the word means. But like some of those short words that have huge, long meaning, it, it helps us to think a bit more about them every once in a while. Hope is part of what it means to be human. Hope is something we hope everyone has. (laughs) Hope is something that sometimes we lose, and we're not happy when we lose it. So we need to think about hope. In 1924, a comic strip was introduced into this country that told the story about a little orphan girl. When I say that word orphan, you know instantly that there's going to be a story about hopelessness when you lose your parents. In 1977, that comic strip was made into a Broadway musical, and the central song of that musical is a song about hope. I'm not going to sing it for you today. No. Because I want you to hear the words. And sometimes, 
as much as I love music. Sometimes music gets in the way of the words. So hear these words that Annie sang to us. The sun will come out tomorrow. Bet your bottom dollar that tomorrow there'll be sun. Just thinking about tomorrow clears away the cobwebs and the sorrow till there's none. When I'm stuck with a day that's gray and lonely, I just stick out my chin and grin and say, the sun will come out tomorrow. So you got to hang on till tomorrow, come what may. Tomorrow, tomorrow, I love you tomorrow. You're always a day away. That's a song about hope, isn't it? And I have to think it became so popular in our culture because of that assurance of hope, that, that holding on to hope, even with the recognition <laughs> that the tomorrow in which we hope never comes. But still, it's about hope. There's also plenty in our culture, in our collective mindset, in our literature, in our art, in our poetry that speaks not so much about hope, but about hopelessness. In a novel from 1862 about some of the poor and downtrodden folks in France, a novel titled Les Miserables, The Miserable Ones. We are confronted head on with, with the hopelessness of life. Again, it turned into another great musical, 1980, debuted in Paris. And in many ways, out of all the great music of, of that play, there was one song that still grips people's hearts, a song sung by Fantine, the poor woman whose life ended in prostitution. I dreamed a dream in time gone by when hope was high and life worth living. I dreamed that love would never die. I prayed that God would be forgiving. Then I was young and unafraid and dreams were made and used and wasted. There was no ransom to be paid, no song unsung, no wine untasted. But the tigers come at night with their voices soft as thunder as they tear your hopes apart and they turn your dreams to shame. And still I dream he'd come to me that we would live the years together but there are dreams that cannot be and there are storms we cannot weather. I had a dream my life would be so different from this hell I'm living, so different now from what it seemed. Now life has killed the dream I dreamed. So there you have it. Both sides of life. The hope that tomorrow will be better that the sun will come out. But also the frank, candid, 
honest recognition that sometimes that seems as if life simply kills our hopes and dreams. Let's think a bit more about hope. What is hope exactly? I think of hope as being something that's about the future. Hope is hoping for something, wanting something, dreaming about something that is not yet, but one day will be. Hope encourages us, it it propels us to work and live today in the present in such a way that maybe tomorrow will be better. But we know that sometimes tomorrow is not better. Decades ago, I remember walking into one of those little shops where they have all kinds of stuff that you don't need but you can't resist buying. My dad would call those things chuchalucos, useless stuff to hang on the walls and sit on the shelves. But one little plaque that I saw, I bought, and I still remember that I haven't looked at it in years and years and years One day when I was sad and lonely and without a friend, a small voice came to me and said, cheer up, things could be worse. And so I cheered up. (laughs) And sure enough, things got worse. We laugh because every single one of us in this room can identify. We can relate, can we not? That's what hope is like. For what do we hope? You could write your own list. My list is fairly short. I want happiness, peace, success, and a good life. I could add a few things to that, but I won't. In what do we hope? Many of us hope in ourselves. And we say, today I'm going to do X, Y, or Z so that tomorrow is better. And oftentimes that works out, doesn't it? Today I'm going to get, I'm going to study so that tomorrow I can take a test and get a passing grade so that I can study some more and take some more tests. (laughs) We hope in ourselves, and, and that's okay, but it doesn't always work out, does it? I regularly disappoint myself. Therefore, I do not hope in myself completely. Some of us hope in other people. Someone else is going to make it so that tomorrow is actually better. But do you realize that someone else is just like you, undependable, human? Maybe sometimes someone else disappoints even more than we disappoint ourselves, but I guarantee you that you, as I, have disappointed someone. Sometimes we hope not just in ourself or in someone else, but we hope in things that are bigger than any one of us. For instance, many people have hope in the government. No comment. (laughs) Most of us have hope in our money. If I have enough money, everything will be fine. That's just wrong. 
In what do we hope? In what, in whom do you place your dreams, your desires, your wishes, your hopes for a better tomorrow? It's important for us to answer those questions because ultimately people of faith believe that there is only one answer to that question. The Bible, of course, speaks a great deal about hope, but also the Bible speaks about hopelessness. It's one of the reasons I trust the Bible more and more is because it's not just a book with rose-colored glasses on that says that everything's just fine. It doesn't. The Bible takes us to the depths of human experience. For all of us who have memorized the 23rd Psalm, I have never met anyone who has memorized the 22nd Psalm. Although you do know at least one phrase from the 22nd Psalm. Here's how the 22nd Psalm begins. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You remember that Jesus quoted that psalm as he was hanging, bleeding, suffocating to death on the cross. The 22nd Psalm does end with a word of hope, but not before it goes through our hopelessness. I don't know who arranged the order of the Psalms, neither do you, neither does anybody, but I have to think that whoever put the Psalms in their final arrangement in the book they were thinking consciously about what the 22nd Psalm said so that they could follow it up with the 23rd. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. It is important. This is why we encourage you to read the whole Bible, not just parts of it. It's important to read the 22nd Psalm because the 22nd Psalm tells us what our experience of life is so often like. We can't really understand what the 23rd is saying until we read the 22nd. But then we do have to get to the 22nd. We can't stay to the 23rd. We can't stay stuck in the 22nd Psalm. We must go to the 23rd Psalm and thank God we do. A psalm, as I said, is a psalm about hope. Now, there may be some folks here, and God bless you if you are, who really have never thought seriously about the 23rd Psalm. Perhaps you've never heard the 23rd Psalm. That's okay. I say this all the time to people who say to me, Jack, I really can't go to church because I don't know anything about the Bible. And I say to them, the reason you come to church is to learn something about the Bible and about Christ and about God. All those people who come to the church thinking they already know what the Bible says don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> what does the 23rd Psalm say? The Lord is my shepherd. I remember maybe a year or so ago, I asked if there was anyone in this congregation who actually had the experience the real life experience of being a shepherd, of raising sheep. 
and there was at least one person who raised their hand. Anybody here today who was ra- Yeah, see? You know what we're talking... Okay, I'm going to step aside. You come preach. Yeah. <laughs> right? Most of us don't live in the kind of society from which the 23rd Psalm arose. We don't raise sheep, but we know a little bit about it, right? What does a shepherd do? A shepherd provides for the sheep. A shepherd protects the sheep. A shepherd provides food and water and a place to sleep. A shepherd rescues the sheep when the sheep falls into some place that might kill them. A shepherd protects the sheep from predators. A shepherd makes sure that the sheep has a life of hope. Oftentimes in the ancient world, People spoke of shepherds, not the ones who raised the sheep, who protected and fed the sheep, but a different kind of shepherd. It was a kind of shepherd that they wanted, that they needed, that sometimes they had, but most of the time they did not. Oftentimes in the ancient world, the kings and princes and rulers were called the shepherds of the people not just in the Hebrew or Jewish tradition,